Hello. Welcome to Nobody No Problem. This is Katie. And I'm Kristen. Coming at you live. Actually, they won't listen to this live, but here we are. It's Friday night. In my back back room. Yep, we're back to talk about more murders. We are back to talk about more murders. Lita. Um, it's the last day of January. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but this last week took like it felt like it took eight years to get through. For real. Something about this week. So much stuff. The sun hasn't been out. Yeah. But well, if you've lived here in Chicago, it's like a record set of how many cloudy days we've had in a row. It's right. insane. We so haven't all, seen the sun deprived of vitamin D. We're all just <laughs> severely depressed. <laughs> Walking around Chicago like yes. all our lives. What are they, that weather depression that they... Whatever. I swear to God, I started work on Monday. I was 31 years old and I'm 57 now. <laughs> Seriously, we're all 57. It's sad. Really it's a sad, sad time in Chicago. We're all just counting on the days. I've looked at, a, I have a thing on Facebook that it's 38 days till spring. But till spring, I just want the sun. Well, I did get the sun last weekend when I was in Colorado. Yes, you were. How was it? Oh, FYI, Katie is alive and well. No crutches, no broken bones, no casts. It's Crushed true. it. If you're wondering. Mm-hmm. I made it through. I made it through the wilderness. <laughs> she did. We Literally in the Colorado wilderness. We, we skied on Copper Mountain. I learned how to ski on Copper Mountain. And I was told I did pretty decent. I do know that I was not the one in our group who fell while trying to get onto a lift. Yes, she said that she so, didn't. I believe her. Which is uh, apparently the hardest part. I've only been snowboarding once and it's been in Wisconsin, so I, I don't think I will say that it's not the hardest part. I can get on and off the couch, okay? You can, you can get on and off the couch. <laughs> but can you on skis when it's slippery as shit? Well, I have some kind of balance. So it really, it was fine. Crush but it. someone almost died. You? No. Who? Dan. <laughs> <laughs> His face almost got squished under a lift. Oh, so it was for scary real. for a second, oh my God. but then he laughed, and then we all laughed, and the scariness went away. Yeah, potential death just was like yeah. Oh, they, had to shut the, they had to shut the lift down real quick. You did not tell me this. Surprise. Wait, what? Someone almost died. Stop it! I want to hear the whole story. I mean, it's not it's not that good of a story. Except His face almost got crushed by a ski lift. Well, he so he was snowboarding, so they have to have one foot out of the board, and he was like rushing to get up to the jump on or the sit down point of the lift, and he like messed up his board, and he fell, and then the lift <laughs> almost scratched over his entire face and they Just stopped it. Scalped his face. And when they stop the lift like that, they do like it's almost like a wedding bell at a circus. Oh my god. So it's like even more attention is drawn. Oh I was like everyone say, was laughing. Like those... After he laughed, everyone was oh, laughing. Good. Well good. I'm glad he's okay. No, he's I just totally fine being like a... I was definitely looking back and going, ha, loser, I got on my first try. Bye. I will say, as someone who snowboarded over skiing, it's a fuck ton harder to get on yes, which is with a I snowboard ski. than it is with skis. So kudos to you, Dan. But um, I pictured it being like an awful wah, wah, wah noise. Oh, no. it, I mean, like, he didn't even cover his face. So, like, it, it, I feel like they're... Music probably would have been more appropriate for having to shut down the whole. Hundred percent appropriate, but it was pretty funny. Just to warn the but entire. Yeah, it mountain. was a it was a good time. It was a good time. Lots I'm so glad that you had a great time. Colorado is an amazing place. I love it there. It's it's a magical magical place. Yeah, the views were outstanding, and then we came back, and I was like. Why do I live here? <laughs> Seriously, the flatland of Chicago with gun violence and shitty taxes. That's pretty That's pretty much taxes. our claim to fame. We do have good food, though. We're voted, again, the best food city in the country. So, word. 
I mean, I don't wonder why I gain weight like I do. Ah, pizza. Not deep dish. Thin crust. Thin crust. Always. Deep dish is a touristy bullshit. Always get thin crust when you deep come here. Deep dish so is for better. special occasions. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do love a good deep dish, but I do love a good Gino's East, East, East sausage patty. Sure. So good. But right. while Katie well, was gone. That's a quick recap of... Uh, uh-huh. And while she was gone, I listened to the most amazing podcast ever, and I told Katie to listen to it, and I'm going to give a huge shout-out because anything that Payne Lindsay does, I love. Up and Vanished is amazing. All the stuff he produces is amazing. It's just incredible work that he does. And this case is the most infuriating, most eye-opening thing I think I've listened to in a hot minute podcast-wise. It's called Culpable. It's about the Christian Angionaki case, and it will floor you. And it is insane. And I suggest it to everybody who is listening to us. If you haven't, it's incredible. So please listen to it. I'm trying to get Katie to listen to it. I will listen to it. Yes. After she watches the Ted Bundy documentary about what we're going to watch at 2020 tonight. Yes. So excited. <laughs> You know you've made it to your adult age when you're like, hold on, I have to go set the recording thing on the TV for 2020. We did. Well, (laughs) we also, Katie tagged me in this on Wednesday, Thursday, yesterday, and I am so excited because I have been watching the uh, Falling for a Killer, the Ted Bundy story, so it's Elizabeth Kendall and her daughter Molly who are in a very serious relationship with Ted Bundy for a very long time before his killings. And uh, while he was killing and while he was being charged. Right. um, And it's a very different take on the Ted Bundy story, which I never thought was possible because I've literally watched everything possible, read everything possible on the Ted Bundy because he's, he fascinates me. I I mean, he fascinates everybody if you're into true crime. He is that person because... He just was just, no, you really didn't. And it's not just his looks. It's just the way he carries himself, his, his personality, personality. It's yeah. everything. And, and the reason that his girlfriend and their child is still alive boggles me. I have no idea why he chose to save or to keep her alive, but not anyone else. It, it's still, but it is an incredible story about women in the 70s and the 80s and and. their strength and going through what we had to go through and and what happened in Seattle with with when he started killing. And it's such a cool side of the story that it's really like a different kind of perspective, which they never bring up is, you know, as women, what they were going through when women were disappearing. Right. And all of them from campuses in uh, Washington. Yeah. You know, they don't talk about, there was like survivor stories of people he tried to kidnap and and survivor stories of people he tried to kill and, and one lady. I, stories of people that were just fucking terrified out of their minds. Yeah, like, and it was like. Taking every precaution. Absolutely. It was his professors, people that he worked with and people who knew him long before any of this happened and the way they perceived him and how incredibly duped they all were and how they really didn't know so it's I mean I've watched a ton and I know we've seen a lot of the detectives and things talk about it but they also there was a lot of women detectives on this case that I didn't realize were on there I don't know if maybe I just missed them or but it's in it's really good Amazon Prime does a great job I know we've talked about it because we're super excited about um Elizabeth and Molly being interviewed live because they really haven't been yeah um, so if you're, if you know anything about it, fucking YouTube it. Cause it'll be on YouTube. It's going to sure. be awesome. For Within an hour trip. after probably. Yes. I'm sure. And if you're interested in that. Yes. I mean. Or the Amazon prime show, uh, it's called, uh, falling for a killer or it's Ted Bundy falling for a killer. And it's really, really good. It's very well done. And the theme song's fucking spot on. Nice. Yes. So right. that is what. I have been doing while Katie, Katie was skiing the slopes in Colorado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crushed it real hard. Living living life to its fullest. You know what? I'm not mad about that. Me either, girl. I'm actually kind of jealous. Of yourself. No. I want to watch that. <laughs> I like being home and watching TV. Yes. It is It is a um, underlooked 
Well, I feel like maybe not anymore because we're 30. So a lot of people, Netflix and chill. And by Netflix and chill, it's watch half an episode and fall asleep on the couch. Well, sometimes that's where life goes. And I love it every single time. So what I am going to talk about today is um, the unsolved death of Deborah Wolf. So I say death because it's still technically not ruled a homicide. Why? I am not 100% sure, but we will find out the story and you guys can form your own opinions about it. All right. All right. So Deborah Wolf, known as Debbie to her friends, was born in Arkansas on June 6, 1957 to uh, Jenny Edwards. I tried to find information on her father, uh, I really couldn't find anything. There was a few people, but I wasn't sure if that was his correct name, so I'm not going to say it on the podcast because I do not know if it's right, so I'm just going to say I couldn't find any accurate information on who he actually was. Okay. Um, So she had three siblings, Jerry, John, and Joe. Uh, She was known as being scrappy and friendly and very kind. She has huge brown curly hair. She had a great smile. She was smart. Everyone really liked her. I mean, she was a great... You know, she was one of those people that you just got along with really well. Nice. She was very sweet. Um, She had a really regular upbringing. Uh, She had a very strong relationship with her mother, Jenny Edwards, and her siblings. So she was very close to her family. They, I mean, it was very basic, very good, very loving. So, to be clear, her dad wasn't in the picture. I don't think so. And I tried, I'm assuming he either left when they were young or they got a divorce. He was not mentioned. Her, I don't even think her stepdad was mentioned it was all just her mother okay it was her mother and two of her friends and that was it and i this is a pretty obscure murder okay there is you know snippets and stuff on youtube but it is pretty obscure so there's not a lot of open information about her past life and like family okay i got pretty basic i had to dig pretty hard for that too thank you reddit um so her adult life in 1985, she's 25 years old. Debbie is living outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina, loving life. She's, I think she's like 10 miles outside. And in the 75, or um, I'm sorry, 85, it's pretty rural. So, okay. you know, especially where she lives. So it's not a lot of people. It's, it's pretty outskirts where she lives. Um, she loved and spoiled her two German shepherds, Mason and Morgan. They were her favorite in the world. She was a great dog mom. I would love, I would already know if I would have met her, we would have been great friends because I am a very serious dog mom myself. Yes. Um, So as I said, she lived in a small secluded cabin, which was owned by her family. Uh, It was really small. I mean, it was probably only one bedroom, one bathroom. It was very tiny, uh, but it was in a very secluded wooded area. um, And there was a pond outside of it. So she had a, I mean, not a, it's a pond. So it was a pond. Not huge, but, I mean, big enough. There's probably some fish in it. Really, maybe the dogs run it. Yeah. She seemed like she was a pretty, like, country girl, so I'm sure she did. One with nature. Yeah. She liked to live in it. I mean, she lived, like, I'll post pictures. It's in the woods. Like, there's, like, cat's tails, and, like, it's in the woods. Okay. Um, So... She worked as a VA or in a VA hospital as a nurse, and um, so she helped obviously veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a her placement was kind of big because Fort Bragg is in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is the biggest military base in the country. Right. So it's huge. There, she's you know like she's very busy and works a lot, but she loves what she does. She looks very cute. I'll have to post a picture. She looked so cute in her little nursing uniform because they had, like, the hats and stuff back then. It was very cute. Yes. So, oh, I'm sorry. We just lost my spot. Around um, the afternoon of December 25th, 1985, Debbie finished her work shift at the hospital and then heads home, presumably. Um, No one really knows what she was doing after that. No one can contest, obviously. she didn't have plans that she was No, and she had some good friends at the hospital, so it was like she didn't bring up what she was doing she just you know said bye and that was the end of it so people assumed she was going right they presumed she was just going to head home but no one actually knows if she made it because again where she lived was very secluded she didn't have neighbors it wasn't like there was witnesses to anything other than her puppies and unfortunately they don't talk much um so the wait 
Are you pointing out it's unfortunate that dogs don't talk? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I have a basset hound. I am not disagreeing. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure that I understood that's the point that you were making. Listen. It's really unfortunate that dogs don't talk to us. My husband's in Arizona for the rest of the weekend. Katie's leaving me tonight because obviously she's like got her own life. I'm going to be alone all weekend. Who do you think I'm going to be talking to? <laughs> I wish I could have a conversation. Whiskey's hilarious. Yes. He's he a is. full-bred basset hound, and who doesn't want to talk to a full-bred basset hound? Hi, buddy. I hope you find your dad. Find your dad. <laughs> that's a narwhal, you liar. <laughs> that's his voice. In my right. mind, it is also his voice. It is his voice. Because he just has the droopiest, drooliest face in the world, and it's so slow, and just doesn't have legs. I don't get it. But he's the sweetest. All right. So to get, to get back on point. Yes. So the next morning, her family receives a call uh, that she didn't show up for her shift at the hospital. So her mom immediately is concerned because she's super punctual. She really doesn't miss a day. And if she has to miss a day, she obviously contacts whoever she has to contact. It's very out of character for her. So Debbie's mother, Jenny, called multiple times to the house and nobody answered. So naturally, she wanted to go there. So she called a family friend, Keith Gorton, to accompany her to the cottage. Because obviously, if there was something wrong, she wanted someone to be there. Because it is in a secluded area. So kudos, smart thinking, Jenny. So they arrive at the cottage and are already kind of like, Ooh, what's going on? Uh, Debbie was super tidy, very punctual. She was a very neat person. They arrived and saw beer cans laying all over the yard. Um, her very beloved spoiled animals were running around the yard and appeared to have not been fed from the day before. I don't know how they would say that, but I think maybe they were just really hungry. super hungry. and. It was Maybe very... her dogs could talk, and they said, listen, bitch, we're hungry. <laughs> just feed us. But anyway, so it was very out of place for her to... Well, well, really, I mean, the beer cans and the dogs being out in the yard when she wasn't answering, or home, for that matter. So they were just kind of running around, and, and just they were outside without anyone home. Which, which is totally out right. of place. Huge red flag. So, upon entering her home, they found things even more out of place. So, they found Debbie's nursing uniform in the kitchen floor, along with some other personal items scattered everywhere. Couldn't really narrow down what personal items, but apparently it was things that her mother would say were personal items. So, they were just kind of scattered around the kitchen, along with her nursing uniform. So, things were looking even more fishy. Um, And then, as her friend Keith was wandering around the bedroom, he found her purse shoved between the wall and the bed. So what I understand is that her bed was pushed up against the wall. So there wasn't, excuse me. As most beds are. Yes, well, I mean, like, you know how me and CJ's, it's like there's two nightstands, so it's out. Hers was against the wall, like, against one. Two sides of the one bed side of the bed or... was completely pressed against the wall. Okay. And the other one was not. I am assuming that it was pressed in between that is okay. what I understand, which is bizarre. You only do that if you're trying to hide that from somebody. Right. And no one in their own home puts their purse in between, in between their bed, their bed. And wall. Right. Exactly. I, I'm not, I don't know how that happened, but it was such a weird thing. So they found that and they're, they're even more scared because they know that something is not right. It's very clearly not right. So, basically, Debbie's mother, Jenny, is like, well, she's an answering machine. Let's see if there is a message on here. Maybe that'll give her a clue to, like, where she's at. Or maybe she's just, there was an emergency and she had to leave and she left a message. So, I mean, that's, I mean, in the 80s, that's what what you had. So, she hit play because there was one message. And... I'm going to play that for you right now. God damn. Hey, Deb, Miss here at work today. I uh, just wondering how you're doing. Uh, if you're able to give me a call up here at the ward, I'm at day 227007, or I'll give you a call at home tonight. Uh, you've been having a lot of days. You made me worry when you miss another one. I just want to make sure you're okay. Bye. <laughs> All right, 
so I apologize for the quality, but obviously it was recorded on an answering machine in the 80s, so it's not the best sound quality. But there are a few things, well, really, there's one giant thing that led Jenny to think that the guy who left this message was the person who was responsible for her daughter's disappearance. Do you know why? Um, <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, fuck, you're right. So... No, I'm I'm honestly like I'm clueless just because I also know nothing about this case. This case was pretty obscure. Slash murder. Yeah. So not only did she not recognize the man's voice, and when I mean they were best friends, her they were best friends. They shared everything together. She knew most of his her friends, and she was in a serious relationship with a man who um, her mom was really well acquainted with. They were on their way to like moving in together and in a serious relationship. So okay. definitely wasn't him. The message stated that Debbie had missed multiple days of work. She's well, okay. only been missing since that morning. Well, what I did pick up was that he said, missed you at work today. But I didn't know if that meant that he didn't see her at work. Well, he said, missed you at work today. Haven't seen you in the last couple days. Oh. She's okay. only been missing for 12 hours at that point. Okay. Yeah. That's a... That's a red flag if I've ever seen Yeah, one. I would say that's a huge red flag because she hasn't been missing for a couple days because this is the 26th of December. She was at work the 25th. Where's a couple days? Yes, she worked oh, Christmas. Oh, God damn it. Just ruin the holiday Well, she was a nurse, man. Respect <clears throat> to all those those first responders and those <clears throat> healthcare workers who were always at work. Yes. But yeah, so that is a huge red flag, and she's completely weirded out by all of that. So, Keith and Johnny listen to the voicemail, or the voicemail, the message, answering machine. Answering machine message. Answering machine message, right. Those exist back then. And they decide to move the search outside. Still no sign of Debbie. At this point, they called the Cumberland County Sheriff's Department. Captain Jack Watts responded to the call. So he shows up and basically just kind of like, you know, scopes out the scene, does his thing. What do they call it? You know, looks around. Investigates. <laughs> that word is does what I was looking for. Work. He investigates the scene. Uh, no divers were called for yet to search the pond, uh, but they did. he did call for bloodhounds to be brought out, but didn't do anything. Uh, so they didn't find anything. But they got to play with puppies. Oh, the best puppies. I want a bloodhound so bad. This is where things get a little bit strained between the Cumberland County Sheriff's Department and Jenny. So it's been about a week, and Jenny is fed the fuck up with waiting for the Sheriff's Department to come around and search the pond. So Jenny hired her own diver, friend Kevin Gordon, who went to the house with her to check on Jenny and Gordon Childress. So I guess Kevin Gordon and Childress have, uh, they are master scuba divers and they have, um, what do we want to call this, investigative experience as okay. far as like water recovery goes. Okay. So, I mean, that's a pretty good friend to have in this situation. So they dive into the pond and it's, it's really cold. Um, so they're in the pond kind of searching around doing their thing, marking areas. And after about five minutes, into the dive, Childress saw two sets of footprints in the mud and drag marks. So we know this isn't going to lead anywhere good. After following the drag marks, he came upon the body of a woman in what he described as, and I quote, the body was inside what looked like a burn barrel. That's a rusty 55-gallon oil-type drum with holes in it. And that quote was from Unsolved Mysteries circa 1990. <laughs> Wait, so this was underwater he found this? Yes, because there's a pond. Remember, there's a pond no, in the next to our house. No, I remember there's a pond and they're searching it. We're literally talking about that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is feet marks and then a drag mark. Was that outside the pond? Mm -hmm. And then he went into the pond? Mm -hmm. It's in the pond. So he saw oh, because two. Because it's not like circulating water. Right, because so it's a pond. So it's not a river. Indent. Yeah, where it's like the silt okay. and all that stuff is That's kicked what out. I was and I. My dad fishes a lot in those areas, and I'm pretty sure it's more clay-based than mud. So okay. I think that it's more of a, like, once it's in there, it's in there. Unless something comes over to right. rub it out. Because it's very, like, it's a it's a really dense material. Okay. So, so does he, it's there. The body? So 
Um, as I said, he found the body of a woman in a burn barrel. The body was found 30 feet from the shore in about five and a half feet of water, which was, I think they said the depth of the pond, the deepest part was about six feet. So it didn't get much deeper. Okay. But it was a pond, so it doesn't get very deep. Um, soon after the discovery, they contacted the sheriff's department, obviously, and the sheriff's department was dispatched to come out. They identified the body as Debbie Wolf. Ugh. Yeah. So. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, it. it's just a really sad story. She seemed like such a great person and had so much going for her. It was just, it's rough. It's always rough. So January 2nd, 1986, the autopsy was performed by Dr. William Oliver. There were many things that led to uh, foul play discovered in the autopsy. Many, many. You mean besides the point that she probably didn't put her own self in a barrel and drag herself to the bottom of a six-foot pond? Oh, just wait. Okay. Just I mean, wait. I'm just pointing out the most obvious point. You would think that, right? And you would think that a body in a barrel would be pretty, like, you would remember that shit, you know? Sure. Like, it would be something that you would see and it would be there. Like, it's in a barrel in a pond. And people don't I can usually... See it. Kill themselves in a barrel in a pond. Correct. I mean... Correct. I, I never killed myself, agree with you but I don't think... 100. And it's hard to confuse a barrel for something other than a barrel. So, let's keep going. January 2nd, 1986. The autopsy was performed by Dr. William Oliver, as I stated. There were a fucking fuck ton of red flags. So, we're going to talk about the red flags. She had multiple abrasions on her fingers, which we all know would be defensive wounds of some sort. Yes. There were some cracked nails and some cuts and things on her hands. Sure. Those would definitely go down in the books as defensive wounds. Her eyes and mouth were closed, which, as I understand, is very rare in drowning victims. So I guess when you're drowning you are obviously fighting for your life. So normally when they find your body, you are in like a contorted state and your eyeballs are open and normally your mouth is open because you're trying to breathe. Yeah, you're gasping for air. Right, so you're not in a position that's pleasant in any way. Uh, When they found her, she was completely relaxed. Eyes were closed, mouth were closed. So there was no foam or froth in the nostrils, lung, or throat. So typically in drowned victims, there are there is something that happens with water in the lungs that um, emits a foam-like substance in your throat and in your lungs that is very easily detectable. So it's, it's like soap is what it looks like. Okay. So it just kind of comes up and it's there. And it, it'll be there along with water in your lungs. And it's just something that happens after you drowned, if you drowned. It's there. Right. There was none. <coughs> Only half a teaspoon of water was found in her lungs. Half a fucking teaspoon. That's what I put in like cayenne pepper in my fucking tacos. Well, that's kind of what I choked on on my train beer today. I went <laughs> down the wrong tube. <laughs> Just went right down the wrong, the wrong tube. You went down the wrong tube. <laughs> you gotta be careful about those tubes, man. I, uh, you gotta be careful. One's for careful. air, one's for liquid. You gotta be careful with train beers. The man. body. It's You're a... so excited to drink it. It's Friday. I'm out of work. Pretty soon you spit beer all over the person. And all of a sudden I'm hacking up a lung on the train. I'm like, sorry, I don't know how to drink. But Can't it's not. drink good. The human body is a fragile place, man. Fragile I mean, place. I lived. So. She did. So they only found. Half a teaspoon of water in her lungs. Half a teaspoon. Listen. That's not enough to drown you. I would have, may not have graduated high school. I don't know if we did graduate high school, actually. <laughs> we may not have graduated high school, but I know enough about death, drowning, to know that if you are drowned, you are not going to have half a teaspoon in your lung. Your lungs will be flooded with water, hence the deprivation of oxygen to saturate your blood vessels to keep you fucking alive. How do you know all those big words if you didn't graduate high school? I don't know, Katie. It's crazy. Oh, my God. It's fucking crazy. It's public school education, man. All right. So, So we know, we both know that. That's that's not, yep, 
her cause of death was labeled as undetermined because it wasn't drowning and the coroner knew it, obviously, but he couldn't determine what else could have done it. So there was no strangulation marks. There was no, like, she, there was no insemination, so she didn't bleed anywhere. There was no real reason why she died. So it was simply like, I can't actually give a reason, mm-hmm. so I cannot say it. Like, it was homicide or whether it was say. an accident or whether it was something else. We would have to assume that if she was found in a fucking barrel... She didn't put herself in the fucking barrel. Just I, You know what? I don't know. We weren't there. How do you know she didn't fall asleep in it? You are all about this zombie talk. <laughs> she turned into a zombie. She just... pushed herself into the bottom of the pond. Yeah, but then she would have had to drown. I know. I'm kidding. This I'm No, I will tell you this right now. This case, I have gone over and tried to come up with theories all week, and every single one I come up with, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. No. Because what about this? this? Just... This disputes this, this disputes yeah, this. Yeah, it's just, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This so, is the weirdest case. Okay, so we're going to go into the investigation. So that was the autopsy, and the termination was uh, undetermined. So the Cumberland Sheriff's Department disagree that this could have been a murder and proposed their own theory. What is that? Let's get into it. Wait, tell me they say she falls asleep in a barrel. <laughs> And pushes herself into the pond. Eileen. <laughs> so she was playing with her dogs, fell in the pond. Because of the cold water, she became frightened and disoriented in the water and drowned. But that itself is disputed for the fact that she didn't drown. But that's what they want to go with? Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. wait. You guys so are they charge. said, this, what I'm going to tell you right now is something that is so fucking rare and never happens. Okay. So they proposed she may succumb. She have may, she may have succumbed to immersion syndrome. Immersion syndrome is defined as a non-freezing peripheral cold injury caused by prolonged or repetitive exposure to damp cold temperatures. The extremity first becomes cold, numb, pale, um, and basically, you just get so cold at weird intervals that you get confused and drown yourself. Also, what I was going to say is that the extremities would first become cold, numb, and pale, and then they blister. So immersion syndrome is super rare, and or it is there is visible signs after death that it was immersion syndrome because your extremities blister. So also, there would be blisters on her body and there was Does it usually happen in a fucking six-foot pond? Exactly. They found her body 30 feet off the shore and it was five and a half feet. She stood at five foot four, I believe. So she was still underwater. But for her to get from the edge of her pond 30 feet into the pond is just not possible. It's just not possible. And her mother disproved this a bajillion times because she said she was a super strong swimmer. Swimmer. She was super athletic. It didn't happen. But this no, is I think we what, can all use our basic common sense and logic and be like, well, I smell bullshit. Yeah, this didn't happen. It didn't happen. And obviously... The autopsy, autopsy findings did not support this in any fucking way. But that's what the police put out. Oh, just wait. It gets better. But I'm asking. That's what the police put yes, out? Yes. This is what they okay. said. And then they said that there was no barrel found. And the body was just found in the water. Okay. Yep. Did they dispose of said barrel? We honestly don't know because it disappeared. So they disposed of said barrel. Yep. So, so the government did it. This is what they, the theory was that her jacket was billowed around her in the water like a barrel. You know what? I get it. My because jacket <laughs> barrels all the time. I catch that wind when I'm walking up LaSalle to go to work and it's just like, oh my God, my jacket's barreling. Is that Katie or a 55 gallon drum? <laughs> What? No, honey, no. But, okay, the only thing that I'll say that I get is, like, if you were to walk into water with a jacket on, it would ride up. 
But you can't confuse that with a fucking 55-gallon drum. No, you can't. Unless you're literally blind. Like, if I went in there without my glasses, maybe. <laughs> but I would have found... You are blind. I would have found nothing. But, but you could have even touched it and been like, nope, that's fabric. <laughs> yeah, legit. Like, this, it does not make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So, <clears throat> Kevin Gorton and Gordon Childress, who were the divers, who were master scuba divers, they were very experienced, strongly disagreed to this. Jenny Edwards knows there was a barrel on her daughter's property stored for, she, she stored firewood in it, which is normal because it's a 55-gallon drum, which they call burn barrels. Okay. And She stored in firewood in it. Yes. And in the woods. Super normal. So, it was missing. And she saw indents from the barrel in the area it was removed. And, mm-hmm. and there was one deputy who said there was a barrel present. So a sheriff's deputy said, what are you guys talking about? There was a barrel on the beach. Jesus. Swear to God. But even then, they said, no, there was none. It was just her jacket. Did that guy end up dead? No, he did it. I'm surprised, though, because it was real weird. This was a lot of weird stuff happening. Jenny, so basically, that it just disappeared. I mean, they have no, there is no way to find out what happened to the barrel. It just was gone. Okay. And they just said it wasn't there. So it makes it kind of fishy about the sheriff's department. Just saying. Uh, yeah. Yep. A little suspicious. Yeah. So Jenny would forever disagree with the sheriff's office on the accident theory, even more so when two months after the death, she received the clothing that Debbie's body was found in. Wait for this shit. You ready? I don't know. You're not. Jenny looked through the clothes and they weren't Debbie's at all. Not even close. So the clothes that Debbie was found in. Brown corduroy pants that were too big, too long, and unzipped. So they were not hers. And her mom said, they're not hers. They do not belong to her. The bra Debbie was found wearing was a size 38C. Debbie was a 34B. Yeah, that wouldn't work at all. Your boobs would be falling out the bottom. Coming from someone who has fluctuated with weight, if you have a bra that is too big for you, you do not wear it because it does not do anything. Just makes your boobs real uncomfortable. It makes your life a living hell. They just hang out the bottom. They no support there. They just hang out the bottom. Hanging low, sweet cherry. <laughs> That's 31 life for you. So she was found in Nike shoes. And the Nike shoes we were wearing were three sizes, too large, and were also men's shoes. She was found wearing a men's size 6. Debbie wore a ladies size 7. Oh, just wait. It gets it gets better. Wait. I will say that I think men's size compared to women's size are... Men... I think men's are one up. So... They're two up. Oh. From what I understand from this. So they were too big. They were okay. almost falling off her feet. I don't know. I usually buy women's shoes. Yeah. Because if you're a woman... You buy women's shoes. All I know is that right now I fit into my son's shoes. Yeah. Well, he's 13, though. Oh, that's right. He's like a nine, nine and a half. So it is like two sizes. Yeah, it's normally two sizes for men. So they were basically falling off her feet. Because one size, maybe two sizes, they're visibly too big. Okay. I mean, they're, you know what I mean? Like, there's like probably two centimeters. Yeah, there's like two centimeters of. Okay. That's so, just space. Obviously, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Very wrong. Um, when Debbie was found, she had a new regulation army field jacket that did not belong to Debbie or anyone associated with her. The jacket had no name tag on it and no way to trace it back to its original owner. Um, yeah, she had a regulation army jacket, but it just, it was in her closet. So the one that she was wearing was not hers, and it was way effing too big. Okay. So, she was found wearing a black Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. Debbie's family and her boyfriend could not identify where the shirt fucking came from. And listen, if your serious boyfriend has never seen it, it's not fucking yours. Yeah, it's not yours. It's... Sean's a 
a Pittsburgh fan, but that's the thing. But Listen, she's not a fan. We don't know where this came from. That makes it yeah suspicious. Because if you're not a fan, why would you own a shirt? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, didn't make any effing sense. There was even more weird findings after... Um, Oh, well, I should point out, let me backtrack, that the sheriff's department, even after all of this, even after she went to the sheriff's department and was like, none of these things fit my daughter, none of these things belong to my daughter, someone very clearly undressed her and redressed her, none of this is hers. And they still said it was an accident. I'm not a detective, but I can tell you that something is not right here, sir. And after all of this, there is still more mother and weird findings. So, a family friend, Franz Schoff, Schoff, went to the cabin to feed Debbie's dogs, found Debbie's wool hat in the mud at the opposite end of the pond from the location where she was thought to have entered the water. That's so, weird. It maybe wouldn't have not been that weird if it wasn't December and there was ice over a lot of it after all of this stuff happened. So how the fuck would a hat float from one end of a pond to another when there's a sheet of ice over it? So after this, there was, I mean, there was ice. So I'm assuming there was kind of like Lake Michigan, you know, we have like the ice pleats. Yeah. Before it freezes, and then it got really cold, and everything froze over. So it's literally just impossible for this. It's so unlikely for this hat to have been able to float across the entire effing pond, land on the opposite side of the shore that she entered, and just stay there because there was a fucking sheet of ice. When the SBI returned, uh, the SBI is the uh, Bureau of Investigation in uh, Cal- or, uh, North Carolina. Uh, returned the Nike shoes Debbie was found in. There was no mud on the bottom. Should have... there. So basically what that theory is, is if she was standing in the water playing with her dogs, so there should and, and would have been mud. what you mud. said earlier, it's more of a clay-type bottom. Yes. So it definitely would have clung mm-hmm. to the bottom of the shoe. They were clean as fuck. Good. Not one ounce okay. of mud. And, uh, so well, this is confusing. Uh, yeah. It's real confusing. So even though they said it was an accident, they still investigated a few people because Jenny kept pushing and saying that it was um, it was foul play and this is not correct. And obviously there should have been fucking mud on the bottom of her shoes. The sheriffs interviewed multiple men at the VA hospital who, so she was in charge of volunteers at the hospital. Um, one of her duties as a nurse She worked with the volunteers. Um, One man who was a volunteer had a history of mental illness and wanted a romantic relationship with Debbie super effing bad. Um, But she was basically was just like, no, I have a serious boyfriend. I, you know, like, thanks. It's flattering. professional. Somehow he had gotten her phone number, wouldn't stop calling her, began to threaten her. And do, like, awful things. He found her out where her home address was. So he basically was stalking her. But he was interviewed, had an alibi, refused to take a polygraph, then moved out of state. I have nothing to say to that. And we have curse words. So. (laughs) It wasn't suspicious at all, is what Katie is saying. Naturally, that's what you do. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) It's just a natural thing that you do when you've been investigated for murder. When you have an urge to stalk a woman, follow your dreams. White cloth. Hey, white cloth. Shoot for the moon. You'll land among the stars. Or, or just land another state. in the middle of a murder. Yeah, no shit. And then get out of it because you're just you just moved out of you're state. You're like, hey, you fuck yourselves, and then move. Oh, the eighties, man. It's such a bad time to be alive. Good thing I was born in it. Ugh. One man also pursued Debbie, but she said she only wanted to be friends yet again. So he basically was just the same thing. It was just like he had a really solid alibi, and it was just kind of like he wasn't even in the state at the time. So it was Uh just like, okay. He was interested, but clearly didn't murder And they also ruled out her boyfriend at the time. He was the same thing. He was... um, So I did read on a website 
by Dr. Goodwin, who is someone who has been researching, I believe he's a medical examiner, but he has been researching this case for years and years and years. It's one of his cold cases that is listed on his website um, that they found sperm in her body. Wait. So there was a swab done to her body. We're talking vaginal, right? Yeah. Because when you say body, I'm confused. No. There was sperm. Guess what, though? What? They fucking lost it. Well, that sounds like it fits the rest of the story. Yeah. So someone who wanted to go home alone and just, like, go and relax after I'm presumably a 12-hour shift because she's a nurse, um, somehow had sperm in her body after being murdered or accidentally dying in a barrel in a pond. From immersion syndrome. Oh, you messed that up. Sounds a little fishy. It was her coat. Yeah, oh, there was no barrel. You're right. (laughs) It wasn't a barrel. It was her fucking... Her coat ballooned. Her army jacket that was four sizes too big. After the swab was lost, there's really nothing else they can do other than go over, like, the crime scene photos and um, just kind of speculate as to what they think happened. Um, Debbie's mother and all of her siblings have since passed away. She worked her daughter's case for 20 years. Jenny believed till the day she died that two volunteers from the VA hospital did it. The murder is still unsolved. Man. I will say that I messed up something that I forgot to point out with the autopsy. So the coroner also said that there is no possible way that she could have been in the water for a week due to the decomposition of her body. Right, because water will wear away. Her mother was able to have an open casket. Oh, no, not a chance. So she was somewhere, but she was able to have... If you were in the water for a week... No way you'd have an open casket. Well, and it's a pond. I know it's a pond, but there is still, like, marine life that would have... Eaten off. Right. Picked its skin, and, you know, they like the fatty parts. Ugh, that was so gross. They but like, it's true. They do. They will They will eat your eyeballs out. They, they like fucking, you know, eat your lips and stuff. They would have eaten it. So there is no physical way she could have been in the water for that amount of time. That is nuts. Yeah. And as of today, the case is closed. And it is still listed as an accident. Well. What do you think happened, Katie? I don't know. I didn't graduate high school. <laughs> We're so stupid. I love it. I'm just kidding, guys. I did graduate high school. We did, and college, in case um, you were wondering. But I don't know. I mean, that's that's seriously fucking nuts. And, I mean, I know we've had at least one other story that we've talked about where it's been like, okay, you guys have one job, and you guys are severely fucking this up, but they fucked this it up one so bad. seems pretty bad. They fucked you it up so You just go common sense on, on a lot of things, and they seem to not have it. So no. that's what bothers me. I like good police work. Hellcraft, that was a great one. That they one, did. That one was solid police work. That man I appreciated was a it. genius. This, this sheriff's department. Maybe it was the sheriff who did it. Oh, my God. New conspiracy theory. This is one... Well, this is my conspiracy theory, though. I will say that I listened... One of my sources, and I will source them, but one of my sources was Dark Matters YouTube podcast or YouTube channel, whom I told you before. I love Kaylee. She does great work. She talks a lot about unsolved cases that are in kind of, like, obscure and no one really knows about. Right. And that no one really talks about anymore, but they should because they're unsolved. And all it takes is that one person. And she is right, though, about one thing. That the barrel disappeared. The So basically what happened was the cops showed up. They pulled the body out. They said, we're going to come back and get the barrel. Whoever took the barrel and moved it had to know when no one was going to be there to remove the barrel. Correct. It's a heavy barrel. Filled with water. Yeah. 30 feet into the pond. Well, That's... I mean, they pulled it out of the pond, but still. Oh, they pulled it up onto... Yes. So then how did they even dispute to be like, there was no barrel? Because... And everyone saw it when they pulled it out. I don't know. I, just... I don't know how there's no photos of it. I don't know how... I. It's you know what? Things that you, makes you maybe, want to bang your head against the Maybe wall. you're right, though. 
Maybe you're right. Maybe they pulled the body out. And not the barrel up. They didn't say or because specify. They, they just said the barrel was the missing. The barrel no. had to have been full of water that would have been really heavy. They could have thought, let's pull the body out to get the body out. And then leave the barrel. And then come back, come back for, for the barrel. But then they could have been like, hey. But how would that guy? Out. So if the guy who... But the guy who put the barrel into the water, that couldn't have worked because the guy who put the barrel into the water would have to somehow get into the water. And it's freezing at this point. So he would have had to gotten in like full hypothermic suit and somehow pulled that barrel out by himself. But he could do that if he didn't know when they were going. That would be super difficult though. Maybe there was two of them. Yeah, well there was, she said, the mom said it was the two people. But there are a lot of theories. I kind of agree I that it could have been someone involved in the case um, that was investigating. Um, I also believe that it could have been an army soldier or someone that she met at the VA hospital because she was wearing an army jacket. And Fort Bragg is one of the biggest, it is the biggest army base in the country. I mean, they talk about the actual population of Fayetteville um, with art, without like army soldiers is like 30,000 people or something at this time. And with army soldiers, it's like 300,000. So it's huge. And don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm going off memory, but it is a crazy difference from the military life there to actual people living there. So... And they do actually talk about um, a murder that happened to a family on the base of Fort Bragg a few months before then. It was a mother and her daughter that I'm not going to get into because that's a whole nother thing. But there is a theory that this person who hurt them hurt her as well. Okay. But I, I kind of am leaning towards the dude who left the voicemail or the message. And they never followed up or found him? Well, they did. That apparently, what I heard was it was the one of the volunteers that they were like, "Oh, it's you," and he was the guy who refused to take a polygraph test and left. And that's it. That's it. And then left the state, and they never tried to go after him again. All right. Well, there are so many moving parts to this actual case. It's so confusing because every time I put something together, where I don't think that she made it home. But I, her nurse's uniform is in the kitchen. I guess he could have placed it there, but what if she was home? And that he made her do all these things. He assaulted her there and then forced her car. And they, and they also found her car in a weird place too, but... Like not where she normally parks. Not where she normally parks it, but they didn't think it was a big deal. So I didn't think to mention it, but I guess I probably should have mentioned it. But I don't know. I, they... Because it could be anything. I mean, she could have just, like, parked it somewhere weird that day. I don't know. But they, at the same time, it's like, well, why would he take her to her house, make her strip, put her in clothes, put her in her car, move her car, keep her somewhere for a couple days, bring her back to her house, kill her, put her in a barrel right outside her house? Okay, here would be my idea. He makes her strip, and he takes her and kills her somewhere else. So he keeps her alive, right? Right. So then after he does kill her, he puts his own clothes on her, and then he thinks, they've already searched her house. I'm going to put her in the pond at her own house. I mean, that's not a bad idea. Listen, if you want a murder sidekick, here I am. I'm just kidding. I but will not participate. I am. Please don't. I like you too much for you to be in prison for the rest of your life. But... The, from what I understand, she wasn't weighed down by anything. So it was, well, if she would have eventually bloated and floated to the pond, top of the pond. But I guess it was rural and maybe no one would find it. But I don't know. Either way. There is so many moving parts to this. And it's a relatively short story. And I know we've pushed it to like an hour. But it is such a crazy case that I, re- I my it, uh, it is I think the police it really honestly is, is what baffles me more than anything else it, I when I was listening to the dark matters podcast and I also listened to up and vanished such a good job it's such a good podcast too they did a, a short theirs was 15 minutes um I was just 
I just am astounded that the barrel is just gone. How? And then they're making excuses. I just, I, and three people were like, no, no, no. There's a barrel. Where is it? Right. But Clearly. the weirdest thing was, is that when she went there to search, she said she didn't remember if there was, if the burn barrel was there or if it wasn't, and then the next day they came back, or the week they came back to go look, the, look, search the pond, it was gone. So she's like, well, it was definitely gone then, but there were still indentations of that barrel. Right. It was here at some point. So someone fucking moved it. Right. 100%. I just am, I don't know. It's this weird. case is just... But it was a good story. Thank it, you for I, sharing. I worked very hard on it. I probably researched way too far into it. Um, but I, this is definitely going to be my, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking solve this shit. All right. I'm going to do it. Um, so my sources were drmaurisegoodman.com. He is the one who's still working on the case. Um, I got a lot of my little snippets and facts from him. Um, Dark Matters YouTube podcast, Up and Vanish podcast, Reddit, and unsolvedmurdermysteries.fandom.com. They, it was all full of shit man reddit is just full it's, well, a, it's a good a read hole. it's a good read though about what they think happened but a lot of them are kind of leaning towards what i said the it had to have been the dude with the on the answering machine it just had to have been uh, it just was but we just have to figure out the events that happened that day and why her body was not decomposed to a point why she was thrown in a barrel why all of her stuff was everywhere it's just the weirdest story but yeah. it is still unsolved, and no one, the the um, Fayetteville, Cumberland County Sheriff's Department listed it as closed. So it's not even a cold case. It's just closed. So no one's even looking into it anymore. So I'm going to go with it's an inside job. I believe that. Or somebody who knew somebody killed her, and something yeah. happened. There's some kind of cover-up or something or other. That's where her head goes immediately. Conspiracy! But, yes, we've drawn on about that a lot, but there is a lot of theories, and I hope that you guys came up with your own. Feel free to comment on Insta and Facebook and let us know your theories, because I'd love to hear them, because it is a very open-ended story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yes, it's a good one. I go a lot of different ways. Yeah, it was, uh, and I'm glad that you didn't know about it. Right. Yeah. I had no idea. But. I think we all know what's coming. Katie's corny corner. Kristen, I will say every time. <laughs> that is not my theme song. It is. It's awful. Every, I'm going to post an uh, Instagram vote. And you guys all get to vote about how much you like my singing for Katie's theme no song. No one's going to like that song. They're going to love it. All right, Kristen. Okay. I have a question. Yep. Do you want to know why skeletons are so calm? I do. Nothing gets under their skin. Because <laughs> they have none. Exactly. <laughs> I appreciate that one so much. We will also have a voting option for if you absolutely hate Katie's corny, corny corner, you can tell me to stop and I will not. Fuck you. Exactly. I like telling dad jokes. And who hates a good joke? Also, just turn it off when you know it's coming. Exactly. Just because the stories are pretty good. Eh, they're okay. Uh, I mean, we're getting better. And honestly, as we're speaking of getting better, um, we appreciate all the support and the love and all the things um, and the reviews, good and bad. Um... We just appreciate that people take the time to listen. Again, we're not For professionals, sure. and we're doing the best we can. I think we're doing better, but it's just something we enjoy doing. So, If it's not for you, peace out. If you like it, God bless. I exactly. don't know why. But we do appreciate you. Yes, we do. And honestly, it's, it's fun for us, and it's been very cool to see um, our Anchor platform grow and, and see all the crazy people. We have listeners in Germany and Sweden and the United Excuse Kingdom. Me, and that's crazy. Yeah, you did. And it's crazy, but we just appreciate all the, you know, the love or the not love because you tried. So Whatever. You, you don't know. like it? Cool. Exactly. You that's tried. Fine. I'm cool with that, bro. You but do you, boo-boo. 
We're um, going to wrap up this night. Yes, we are, as with the usual. Um, because we have to go watch 2020 and watch Elizabeth and Molly Kendall talk about Ted Bundy. Uh, like, subscribe, and review. Please and thank you. Uh, Instagram's nobody, not no problem. Facebook is the same, just not the dot. It's just nobody, no problem. Um, give us a likey poo. Drop us a line. I don't even know what drop us a line means because you can't call us because we do not have a phone number. Um, anything yeah. else? No. I hope you all are having a drinky poo yourselves. I hope you're all having a drinky poo yourselves, even though you're listening to this on a Monday morning. But still, you know what? There's no other way I like to start my Mondays. <laughs> cracking a without a fucking crisp white claw. WC. A BCWC. I uh, didn't yep. know we were calling them that, but we are now. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to sign out. We this are. This is Katie. And I am Kristen. We're nobody, no problem. And we will catch y'all on the flip side. Mm, bye.